You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from Watsonville, California. Greetings, friends, from the sunny northern coast. So what am I doing out here? This is a very good question. Thank you for tuning in. I am in the town that I lived by very first days. I lived here till I was six years old. And it wasn't until traveling around the world that I realized how deeply cool this place is. Now, if you're Australian, Kiwi, South African, Canadian, or American, you might find yourself just being in a culture where you're just a white dude or a white woman or from some other land, South America, Africa, whatever. And it is a, it is a tricky thing because you assume this new identity as, in my case, being American. Uh, but the truth is we all come from somewhere. And I, if anybody's been following my series on Patreon, I've been doing this series called The Long Road. And the long road is basically my journey uh, trying to figure out where exactly I come from. And it led me all the way back to County Kerry, Ireland. So I'm on episode three now, and it has brought me to California. And the short story, without giving it away, is basically I had no idea. I mean, I think about five years ago, I got a gift from a friend of mine uh, that was an Ancestry.com kit it was a DNA kit and I did multiple DNA tests and I realized uh, that my family came from a, a certain region and I made it my life's work to get back to that region although I went when I was a youngster I was like 22 I think and I ended up over there and truth is I missed it it was a I, I swung wide left and I wasn't far away from it but there was a whole story that I did not know um, this is my great-grandmother, and I didn't really realize what the tribulations that her and her family had gone through, and I didn't know anything about them. So I went all the way back to start this series and filmed in County Kerry, and I'm on episode three. And where this all goes is it goes from um, Ireland to Boston, Boston to Detroit, and then in my generation, it landed my ass in California in Watsonville in this town that I am in right now. Now, Watsonville was something, I think that there was a little bit of shame attached to it with my family because we lived in a trailer park. Uh, and now, funny, I come back to this place and I'm on a house on wheels as well. I am in my van, aka Vaniel Day Lewis, or as my friend Arturo said today, Vanuel Day Lewis. Uh, basically, this town, I guess we could call it working class. And when I mean working class, it is surrounded by fields. It is uh, 10 miles from Santa Cruz, California, where I was born. And it is 50 miles from San Francisco for people from uh, overseas, just to kind of get an idea of where this place is. Now, why I think this is fascinating is that my, my grandparents came here to retire. They, my grandfather's from Detroit, uh, my grandmother's born in Detroit, and they, they grew up in Detroit or on the outskirts of Detroit, and they came out here as a sunny, um, a sunny retirement option. And for, they did not realize where they were going, actually, because it turned out to be this real counterculture place uh, that I think they thought it was like a seaside 
you know, kind of resort town. And what it really was, was an explosion of kind of castaways from the San Francisco area. This is technically considered Monterey, the Monterey Bay Area. And it sits just underneath uh, what we know as the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, Daly City, Marin, all of that. So that was, that was a huge boom. Um, in the 50s and 60s, there was, you know, Miles Davis recorded there, Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac. And even before that, uh, John Steinbeck had written Grapes of Wrath and um, there, or Cannery Row. There's, there was amazing um, literary efforts to discuss uh, the Dust Bowl era and migrants coming here for work. Now, I'm coming to you live from Vaniel Day-Lewis, my van, which I built this year, and I built it to be a production van, of which that's what I'm using it for right now. Inside it, I've got a table out, I've got batteries, I've got cameras, microphones, and you might hear the purr of a generator which is outside, and that is powering this whole operation. What is it like to live in a van? I am a, I think I've nailed two weeks straight, so 14 days. And I've got to be honest, I've kind of got some, uh, some experience in this, being that I was on tour for so many years. So I know what it's like to be in a small space. And it is a joy. It's a little bit difficult to find places to uh, park where you're not going to be messed with. I've found a little nook out uh, near the Watsonville Airport. This is a whole other thing. There are small airports all over this country and probably the country that you're in while you're listening to this that are strictly for small like Cessna aircrafts, right? So that is a whole scene that I think is probably amazing. Obviously, you know, it doesn't always go well. Kobe Bryant uh, went to one of these small airports and had a helicopter crash. And uh, it, but I feel like people have this there's a culture of small aircrafts that sort of fly around um, one to the next throughout these regions and I've been seeing crazy stuff in the air of, as I've been here a lot of hot air balloons tiny Cessna airplanes helicopters and they all come from these like smaller airports the reason I've been staying out at this airport is because I can go undetected and naturally when you have had a long day of driving or filming or whatever, you don't really want to be messed with. So I've been having the, uh, I've been having this crazy experience of trying to find a place to park and not get messed with. And it's gone even like to points of being completely hilarious. Like I found a parking lot the other day. And I parked up there, went to bed. It was completely empty. And I woke up and I was in a full parking lot and completely like, like this whole work center, right? And they must have been staring at my van like, what is this all about? Why is this here? So you never really know. And van life, it is unique in that it's a solitary experience. So you're kind of by your lonesome. You are traveling around. For me, the reason I'm here is to film this this episode and explore this this unique. Uh, it's for me. It's it's a very gripping tale because uh, I started this podcast earlier today. People overseas, you might not know what Home Depot is. Home Depot is kind of a home improvement place. They sell tools. They sell wood, tiles, and so on. And you go there to get uh, provisions for you know making a deck at your house. Well, these places open up very early, like 5, 5.30 a.m. So it's a nice place for me to go and kind of work all day. Although I do um, compete with like road noise and stuff. But 
there I was sitting in this uh, this parking lot, and around me are huddled men um, at the entrances, and they're all Mexican, um, and they are they are illegal laborers. And they come from somewhere, and they have families, and they eat food at night, and they have a pillow, and they have a life. But they're here illegally because they're trying to have something better from, uh, than where they come from. And when I started exploring this journey about, uh, about my own family's migration to this country, it has opened me up to um, Cesar Chavez, um, people like advocating for workers' rights and what people go through coming to a new country and what my family went through coming to a new country. And it's got to be absolutely gut-wrenching. I mean, at the time, if you think about the 1920s, going to America and you are on a boat that you can barely afford, you're going to a land, maybe you've got a couple contacts, but a lot of these people, you know, went on these ships going to a new land knowing they might not return. And when I went to Ireland, I, I had these conversations, um, namely with this woman named Nell that was in the episode. She was 90 plus years old, um, sharp as a tack. And she talked about, you know, what it was like the exodus away from Ireland and subsidized tickets that the government was encouraging people to go find work and to go make a better life and what it was like to watch her her uh, friends and family I think she said the majority of her siblings left and what it's like to watch people leave in a time where there wasn't the internet there wasn't a quick telephone call in the village that my family's from is called Castlemaine and Kerry they went abroad um, and they only got electricity in the 1950s, right? So the more I, I uncover like, a, like an onion layer after layer, I, I started seeing like the strength of family um, storytelling, being near a fire, listening to music, and telling stories to honor people who had left. And then people coming to a new land and having their, their traditions um, upheld. But what I find fascinating about uh, the experience of being American is that uh, in my family's case, they were Catholic, right? So they, they, they come to America, and then the next generation is born. And if you don't uphold your family's religion and your accent fades away, you kind of just blend into the gumbo that is America and become, frankly, another white person, just sit next to you on the train and I've never really like accepted that uh, we're all just American but to me someone who's had challenges in life um, with my family not being around any longer I've always like marveled um, and, and 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 have been envious of people who have you know like my friend Panos from Augustine's he's Greek American you know um, the other day, I got together for Tomislav's birthday from Pela. I got together with kind of an Augustine's Pela uh, birthday hang. And I was looking around, and Rob, bang, British. Panos, his father's from Greece. Tomislav, his father's from Croatia. Tom was born in the Balkans. And Eric, his grandfather, is from London. So everybody was first or second generation American. And 
those are the stories that do so they do so much for me um, both emotionally and intellectually because it helps me understand this land that we live in right and when i chew on stuff like this it enters into my writing which enters into my songs which is likely how you guys all know who i am right so this informs how i see humans and this informs how i write songs so i have a great story for you now um on the back of my van i i i got bold and i decided to build a deck which i thought could be used as a stage for while we're in this pandemic like outdoor shows it could also serve as a place I could sit and have coffee in the morning and go through my notes or whatever and figure out the project that I'm doing. Well, you know, carpentry is a tricky thing. I'm no master carpenter by any means, but um, something powerful happened last night. I had some nails and screws that were kind of hanging out. Like I had drilled through the wood and they're poking through the bottom of the wood and they're scraping on on the asphalt on the cement when i pull out of parking lots i can hear it kind of grinding and it's something that i really needed to take care of so i go into this home improvement store i buy myself a saw for metal and i start sawing it and in a thick uh spanish accent i hear hey do you need a saw and i look over and there's a mexican guy right not uncommon here in Watsonville. It's uh, predominantly uh, Hispanic. I would say outright Mexican. And I look over at this guy. He's got like a battered baseball cap, short, paunchy physique, and he's wearing work boots, and he's got his little truck. And he looks at me and he goes, do you need a saw? And I said, yeah, I, I would love one. And with a smile, the guy goes in the back and he comes out with, with a... Um, a mechanic saw and he's putting a battery pack on it and he comes over he gets down on his knee and he saws the screw and it doesn't work completely so he gets up goes back to the back of his truck comes out with a different saw and he proceeds to do the job that I had purchased a hand saw to do and he saws all of them off and he's smiling and he's being kind and he's really happy to be helping me and I look at him and he, this guy just saved me probably an hour of work. And I'm like, wow, man, um, thank you. Thank you so much. And he goes, hey, today you, tomorrow me. And he jumps in his truck and drives off. And it hit me. It, it really affected me, that kind of earnestness. Now, keep in mind, I think there was some shame about living in a trailer park in this town because you know, frankly we're right next to to santa cruz santa cruz is where i went to grade school santa cruz is where i was born but we were broke and we lived in a trailer park here and i think that we were a bit ashamed of that but coming back to this looking at the authenticity factor yes i could be hanging out with surfers and going to bars right now in santa cruz and chopping it up with organic farmers or hippies or students or whatever but i'm here in this agricultural town that smells like manure there's workers everywhere and there are men huddled at the entrance of this uh of this home improvement place just looking for work now the huddles 
of these men, they, they consist of just guys. I wouldn't even say they're entirely young, um, probably ages ranging late teens, probably to 50s. And these guys don't speak English. They're just looking for some work. And they will, no questions asked, get in, your, in a car with you and drive and just go, just go work a labor job. If you are breaking down a, a, a shed or a house or you're putting up cement, cinder blocks, these guys, no questions asked, will get in a car with a stranger and go and work for the day for whatever wage they can get. Now, there's another, uh, there is another chain store called Walmart. Walmart takes a lot of, a lot of jokes uh, because it, it's kind of ghetto. Like, when I was a kid, it was Kmart. Um, but nowadays it's Walmart and they're these gigantic superstores that kind of land in, in, uh, towns and cities all over this country. And they run out, they, they chase out the mom and pop stores, the, uh, the local, you know, hardware store or clothing store. And they, it's like a one-stop shop and it's got everything from produce to, uh, fishing tackle boxes. And they, you know, they haven't been great. Uh, for local economies because it's a corporation. Well, I'm walking around. Uh, yesterday was my day to tighten everything up and get the van in order. So I, I went for a car wash. I got some air fresheners and some other little provisions. I got some, I got some long johns because it's been a little chilly at night. And I'm walking through the aisles and I've got like motor oil and I've got all this stuff. And I come around the corner and there's a short guy a Mexican guy, and he comes up to me, and he's young, he's a teenager, and he looks at me, and he said, habla espanol, and I say, pues, si, you know, yes, I do, um, I can, and I, but I told him, my Spanish isn't wonderful, please speak slowly, and he proceeds to tell me um, that he came from Mexico, and he's desperate, and he's hungry, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's asking me for money, and it broke my heart, and I asked him where he was, where he was from in Mexico. And he said, I'm from Jalisco and I've come here for work, but I can't find any and I'm hungry. And so I opened my wallet and I pulled out what I could and I gave him money, you know, and he, and he walked away. And when he left, I just thought, listen, asking somebody for money is one thing out on the street, wandering around a department store and just walking up to an adult male and asking for money is not something this guy ever wanted to do and the desperation and the pain in his eyes they it, it stayed with me so there is something about these fields that I find absolutely magical um, a couple days ago I saw a Mexican guy just like blatantly riding a horse in traffic like <laughs> I'm in my van I look to the right and there's a guy riding a horse and I had gone for a haircut um, a little bit earlier and um, I had talked with the barber he was a Mexican dude named Chewy and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him I'm like he's like where are you from man and god I never get to ever say this but I told him I'm from here and he's like, oh, right. I was like, yeah, I was born in Dominican hospital. Like I, I spent my childhood here. And um, he was telling me about, you know, what's going on, on with uh, gentrification and how Santa Cruz is sort of bleeding out. So basically there's Silicon Valley 
in San Jose. And San Jose, when I was a kid, was what's also a big Mexican enclave. And these kids used to abuse us in soccer. They were so good at soccer that dads would be drunk. That, that like they would just they were really skilled soccer players, and they used to kick our asses um, when we played them. So as we know, Silicon Valley has become like a massively expensive, huge hub, a tech hub of startups, right? So what happens is those people get wealthy and then they come to Santa Cruz to buy a beachside place and then they're pushing people out of Santa Cruz and now those people are ending up in Watsonville. And I told the guy, I was like, man, that's crazy. When I used to live here when I was a kid, it was like Mexican cowboys, you know, like older men in cowboy boots wearing like a vest with a scorpion on the back of you know a big straw hat and he's like oh bro they're still here <laughs> and he wasn't lying I literally saw a guy in traffic wearing a cowboy hat um on a horse and I don't know what's going on with me but like I don't need after traveling the world and being in New York City for 20 years like I don't need any more of that. I don't need any more um, farm-to-table organic restaurant bullshit. Like, I need this, this authenticity. I have had so many people crack jokes with me when I'm standing in line. Um, I, it, it, I'm tickled when people just speak Spanish to me and they, they, don't, they just assume since I'm here that, that I'm, I'm, I'm on their team and uh, I speak Spanish. Like, that's charming to me. Um, I see little children and it reminds me of the kids I grew up with when I was in that trailer park you know it was like a little world unto itself and I just went there the other day if anybody ever saw the um, rise the story of Augustine's film um, that trailer park is in that film and I, I went to visit my trailer park and I went to my trailer and um, you know when I was a kid they used to everybody used to just leave their door open in the trailer park and I remember tearing around the trailer park with other little kids and majority of them probably all of them were mexican right so we we would <laughs> like a little gang like rip through these like trailers with the doors open and there was always like a grandmother making tortas or uh, tamales and she would have a little apron on and you could just smell these houses when you went into them they smelled like food and I, I remember all of my little friends, like a lot of them had silver teeth and I was asking the barber, like, what is the, what is up with the silver teeth? Uh, do they have those anymore? He's like, oh man, <laughs> that's when you have a cavity. Mexican people just put a cap on it. Right. So, um, the immigrant experience is powerful. Um, so I was with a woman from Spain who's a dear friend of mine. I was with her for 11 years and we're very good friends to this day but I remember in Brooklyn she was very connected to the immigrant community and once I got a cavity and I needed to go to the dentist and she asked around because I didn't have any health insurance and we ended up going up to Spanish Harlem and we go in this uh, apartment building, we walk up a couple flight of stairs and we go on this house and we go in this house and there is a lawn chair and a makeshift dental chair. And all around it, there are tools. Um, there's a light like any other dentist, but this was all on a lawn chair in a living room. And the dentist comes out and I think she patched up a cavity of mine that I had had. 
And I could not believe um, that this happens in a first world country, that people, um, people would go to an apartment and uh, open their mouth and let just a friend of a friend of a friend uh, drill into their mouth. And I find that both impressive and very troubling um, that this silent um, population that, that can't always stand up for itself um, when it needs help, like medical help, that it has to go in a living room somewhere and have somebody cut into their mouth and drill into their mouth because that's what's available to them in this prosperous country. Um, let's go ahead and take a break. And when I come back, I will discuss music. You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from Watsonville, California. And we are back. So the music you're listening to in the intro of this is uh, music that I made a couple years ago when I was in California. I started uh, home recording and I got into electronic drums and, and samples and uh, I mixed Middle Eastern music with samba beats and but Tejano music with Cajun stuff and it was just a really interesting mashup. So I'm enjoying um, using that for the podcast. So people are asking me, when's your next record out what are you doing and to be honest with you everybody who's uh been very supportive of my little community on my patreon page um i've been very open with them about it like i'm i'm kind of in between projects and i i generally choose projects for in the winter months and i'm really on the fence at the moment whether to uh write a book uh this would be my second book or to do my next record um, another EP or to continue doing these travel films and to be honest with you I'm not quite sure which way to go um, it's hard right now in the pandemic um, I even get creeped out like I'm I'm vaccinated and everything but when I see you know people at shows it's hard it's like wow I'm still meeting people who have uh, a, few, a couple of my friends a few of my friends have gotten sick while vaccinated and it's a tricky thing. Like I'm a pretty brave dude, but it's scary a little bit. And depending on what country you're in, um, it means different things. I.e., I'm in California. Everyone is masked up. Um, in New York City, people are masked up. But when I go to Colorado or I'm in the middle of the country, there's no masks whatsoever. Um, when I was in Europe this summer, uh, Belgium was completely masked up. France was closed. Britain was closed. But then, you know, the Netherlands and Germany were open. So it's still a weird time to perform. Although I have been doing pop-up shows, um, it's just going to be weird for a little while. So it's hard for me to release an album under those circumstances that I couldn't go support. That said, if I go into writing a book, um, I've been discussing with a friend of mine, Ulrika, who I worked on my last book with. Um, that's tricky because writing takes a lot of time. And editing takes a lot of time, and these projects can go for a couple years. So I'm not sure if I want to dive into that because uh, I'm seeing so much crazy stuff. This summer, I was on my motorcycle, and I traveled from man, I traveled from the Netherlands all the way down to the Balkans and Croatia and through Italy, playing shows in Germany, 
and it seems like I'm seeing such dynamic stuff. I mean, I went through um, New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, California, now I'm on the coast, and I'm seeing so much stuff that I want to document it um, because I find it beautiful. It's a transitional time for me, and we're all in this pandemic, and I think that these stories of the road and these observations are probably really healthy to be documenting. So I think at the moment, I'm focusing on not only, um, I guess we could call it filmmaking, even though it seems like a kind of a strong word, but I also picked up a new instrument, banjo. I love banjo, and I was in Ireland a couple weeks ago, and I was looking at these traditional Irish music sessions that were happening. I'm like, man, I need to pick up something else. Last year, it was ukulele. The year before that, it was clarinet and saxophone, and now I've picked up banjo, and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, so that's basically where I'm at, guys. I, I'm, I'm observing um, the guy sitting next to me on the bench and where he might be from. I'm exploring roots. I'm exploring the humanity of immigrant populations, and I'm documenting what it is to be yet another spice in this tremendous gumbo that is the United States of America. I'm doing my best to keep it real. I am in a van in a parking lot. I've got a generator going and I'm in a mobile studio and I am living my best life or at least my most uh, clarifying creative life and I hope you are enjoying it. Again, I'm on Patreon if you want to check that out and I'm always on social media just putting little pictures of uh, what I get up to. I really appreciate you guys um, listening to this today and I, as always I thank you for your support and I'm just going to keep creating. All right, episode three is coming up. If you want to watch that stuff, it is on my Patreon. And I thank you very much for your time today. I am on the sunny coast of Northern California, having my mind blown by the human beings that inhabit this region. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from Watsonville, California.